Bugs, bugs, bugs. Love it. Well, we are talking bugs. And I think I just got a bug in my throat there for a second. I'm better now. Uh, it's so hot, so dry for the most part. A little muggy today. But, you know, on the bright side, maybe we won't have a bad mosquito season this year. Still, that doesn't mean other bugs won't rise to the occasion. Time to check in with the bug guy. With the city of Edmonton, Mike Jenkins, a pest expert, joining us live on 630 Ched Mornings. Morning, Mike. How are you? Good morning. How are you? That's got to be your favorite song, too, isn't it? The bug song? It's definitely up there. <laughs> uh, look, look, you're often re- referred to as the bug guy or the mosquito guy. You good with that, or do you prefer a, oh, more, a more official title? No, no, I like the bug guy. That's uh, one of my favorite titles. <laughs> Perfect. What, what is your official title? Uh, uh, pest Management Coordinator is my official title this week. But... Yeah, bug guy sounds much better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, on the positive, uh, mosquitoes should be down, right? Yeah, um, we've had uh, uh, essentially no precipitation all season, so we had uh, basically no snow uh, turned into no mosquitoes earlier in the season. We had no uh, spring program to speak of, so we didn't bring the helicopters in uh, at the beginning of the uh, program for the second time in like 30 years, Uh, and we've brought them in once since then, a little bit of hatching Mm. back in May. That's about it, uh, and really no appreciable hatching since then. Yeah. So uh, very few mosquitoes so it's, far this year. It's cyclical, though, isn't it? Because these little buggers are, uh, are resilient, and then they they we, it doesn't mean we're out of the woods, though, so, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it's not even a cyclical thing. It's entirely driven by precipitation. Okay. Um, so yeah, if we get rain next week, we could easily have. Lots of mosquitoes coming uh, uh, just uh, based on the dormant eggs that are lying, just waiting for the, the next rainfall. Oh, those evil little zombies just ready to come on <laughs> yes, up. Yes, exactly. Out. Yeah, they're well adapted for, for prairie drought conditions. Uh, but but it is really dry, and there, there hasn't yeah. been an awful lot. And then you get that extreme heat. So if, if one species seems to be down, it seems others rise up to the occasion. Are we seeing that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a number of species that uh, really thrive in hot and dry conditions, uh, two of them being yellow jackets and ants, um, species that a lot of people are not uh, terribly fond of. Um, but yeah, they, they really do well in hot conditions and uh, do well in dry conditions. It helps them uh, getting out and foraging and looking for food. Uh, so they're uh, gathering food, bringing it back to the nest. Their nests are uh, going gangbusters the metabolisms are wrapped up uh, their development is going great so their nests are growing and growing and growing exponentially so you know like what levels of sort of population booms are we looking at uh, and when does it become uh, sort of a larger problem uh, well, uh, the problems with those uh, with uh, both of those groups depends a lot on where the nests are um, so uh, the, the issues with them is more uh, when their territories overlap with ours. So uh, in particular with yellow jackets, um, they're going out and they're collecting protein uh, to bring back to their nests, uh, the, much the same way that uh, honeybees are. But honeybees are collecting their protein from pollen. Uh, yellow jackets are collecting their protein in the forms of caterpillars and flies and other insects. So they're actually really beneficial to have around. Um, it's just when their nests are too close to where we want to be, that's when it becomes an issue because uh, they get a little stingy uh, <laughs> when you get too close to their nest. Um, and so uh, that's when it becomes uh, a potential problem. Um, if their nests are off in the woods somewhere, 
it's awesome. Uh, they're, they're great to have around. Um, when they're in your backyard, uh, not so good. So much. Uh, is there anything that makes them more aggressive? Uh, that, yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the, the problems uh, is if they're uh, being limited by the amount of water that they can find. Uh, so the, the dryness that we're having is a potential problem. Uh, so uh, that large nest needs a lot of water as well. So they're, uh, they're looking for water, and if there's uh, limited water sources, they can be pretty aggressive trying to get that water uh, as they're trying to feed their uh, entire colony. Um, uh, get that water for them. So they can be pretty aggressive defending that water, getting to that water, uh, and be more likely to sting there. Uh, and then later in the season, they also be getting uh, much more aggressive uh, once uh, food starts getting harder to find as well. That almost sounds like I need to put out a water dish for the hornets, which completely flies against anything <laughs> I would ever, ever want to do. Yeah, uh, so it's something to consider. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, it depends on whether you want to uh, encourage getting those nests larger or um yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I'm all, it's it's the one computer meme, that, the internet meme that just still makes me laugh. You have a, a picture of a honeybee on one side, and it says, you know, wonderful. They collect honey. They work in a group. They're, they're it's, it's family, and it's all cooperative and stuff. And then on the other side is a picture of a hornet or a wasp, and it, all it says is just a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's yeah. it. So, so there's some truth there, but in general, they're, they're actually uh, pretty beneficial to us. How? Of course, uh, How? So, uh, because uh, most of their food th that they're bringing back to the nest is caterpillars, flies, stuff like that that we consider pests. So uh, one nest of uh, yellow jacket can take uh, thousands and thousands of caterpillars and flies. Mm. Uh, flies can they, that also be an issue once it gets uh, once it gets hot and dry and all that kind of thing? Do, do we see more of those? Because yeah, they can be uh, almost as much of a pain as a mosquito yeah. in some ways. Well, uh, depending on, yeah, the species of flies, but yeah, their development is also ramped up uh, considerably. So a uh, uh, typical fly, they could take uh, two or three weeks to normally go through their life cycle, uh, going through their maggot phase, all that sort of stuff. Uh, could be as little as four or five days now. Um, so their uh, life cycle is ramped up and their populations can uh, expand tremendously in this kind of heat. Um, so yeah, they can uh, get much larger numbers going as well. Just saying the word maggot just gives you the heebie-jeebies, by the way, every single time. Thanks a lot for that. Uh, so you do have programs to deal with mosquitoes. Do you have programs to deal with some of these other bugs, other pests? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um uh, a lot of it is uh, monitoring and surveillance, looking for things like invasive species, uh, uh, in particular things like emerald ash borer and Asian longhorn beetle, uh, stuff like that that has the potential to uh, basically devastate our urban forest. Oh, okay. Uh, so, so we have what, a lot of. What was the first uh, one? Sorry, before you keep going, what was the first one? Emerald ash borer. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's a, a little green beetle that has basically wiped out ash trees uh, in a lot of eastern uh, United States. Uh, it first arrived in about 2005 or something. Um, has completely wiped out ash trees in uh, uh, Michigan and uh, a lot of the, the central U.S. Um, Ontario, uh, southern Ontario, almost all their ash trees are gone now. And about 60% uh, of our street trees are green ash. So could uh, potentially be really devastating if we got emerald ash borer here. So we've been watching for that one. Uh, a couple, a few few people jumping in on the text line. because If you can answer these, great. And if you can't, that's okay. Uh, DY is asking about uh, little red-like beetles that keep eating lilies. What are those? Do you have any idea? <laughs> little red-like beetles? Yeah, uh, scarlet lily beetle. Um, so uh, their larvae, uh, uh, 
basically uh, live on the, the lily leaves, and they actually protect themselves with a poop shield. Oh, that's um, nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they're, they're pretty hard to control. Uh, most pesticides uh, are not going to be effective against them uh, because they're uh, protected by this shield. Uh, so pretty much the, the only really way uh, effective means of controlling them is going out with a big bucket of soapy water and literally picking them off by hand and tossing them in the, the soapy water. Wow, that's uh, that's labor intensive. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, and ants. I, I can never get rid of ants. Uh, do you have any super secrets? Uh, I don't know about the super secret uh, thing, but uh, just flooding their nest um, can actually make them move their nest. Uh, and so you can get them to move their nest uh, to a different location, and eventually you can chase them into your neighbor's yard. Um, <laughs> 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 That's going to go over well. <laughs> yes. Or uh, if you prefer, you can actually uh, put a bucket over top of their nest uh, with some dry soil in there. And then if you water the nest underneath it, they'll move up into the bucket. Uh, and then you can uh, scoop the whole bucket uh, with the soil in it and put it in a plastic bag and cart the, uh, the whole nest and uh, all the ants off to wherever you uh, prefer them to, to be uh, tossed them out into a ravine somewhere uh, or dispose of it as you will do not throw them over your neighbor's fence no (laughs) (laughs) just just to be clear uh uh some some other you mentioned the ash trees uh our elms have been having some issues is that bug related as well yeah, so uh, there's, of course, Dutch elm disease, which is another one that uh, we're monitoring for, but uh, there's another invasive species called European elm scale uh, okay. that has moved in on elm trees and uh, has been uh, causing issues on elms uh, for uh, several years now. Um, for a while, uh, we had European elm scale, and it would uh, get kind of bad for a few years, and then one of our cold winters would basically knock them out, uh, and we wouldn't have issues with the European elm scale anymore. That, of course, hasn't been happening lately. So the European elm scale has been thriving and has spread basically all across the city, and a lot of our elm trees uh, looking pretty thin. Uh, the elm, uh, European elm scale is sucking all the sap out of them uh, and then uh, basically peeing it out as honeydew, which uh, is not uh, 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 welcome for anyone who's parking their cars underneath the elm trees. Um, It also gets all over the uh, trunks of the elm trees and uh, grows a black mold on it uh, called sooty mold, and the trees end up looking almost like they've been in a forest fire or something, just charcoal black the entire trunk. Should you report Um, that if you have something like that in your your area, and would that be something the city uh, would try to You can report it where... We are aware of uh, the distribution of most of them, but um, uh, you can always report it. It doesn't really hurt to, for us to know um, more locations uh, if we didn't already know about them. Um, but uh, we are going through and treating as many of them as we can uh, with a systemic insecticide. Uh, so this is basically a trunk injection uh, that we put into the tree, and so the uh, scale insects, as they suck on the sap, are getting a dosage of this uh, pesticide. Uh, and it interferes with their development and uh, kills the insects off that way. Hmm. Interesting. Is that, it's kind of hard for, for people to do individually, isn't it? Uh, a number of the um, 
uh, arborist companies around the city also uh, okay. uh, have the product and they're able to do that. Um, so uh, they can do that to uh, individual trees. It's not something that uh, an individual, you can't really go to Home Depot and uh, get this stuff. It requires specialized equipment and specialized training to, to actually do the systemic treatment. Um, but uh, there are companies that can do that to a private tree. Uh <laughs> You're busy. You're busy, Mike. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a, even without the mosquitoes, it's still a pretty busy yeah. season for us. Mike, thanks so much for taking the time. Appreciate it this morning. No problem. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.